Lee Joy is an inspirational speaker, self-care consultant queen, and Wonder Woman mother. She helps individuals and organizations turn uncertainty into certainty, self-sabotage into self-care, and adversity into triumph. Her signature keynote, You've Got to Nourish to Flourish, was born out of her own challenges as an alcoholic, drug addict, and also lives with bipolar. Today, she's a recovering alcoholic and drug addict and very proud 13 years sober and clean. Her Phoenix rising out of the ashes story is very inspiring, empowering, and transformational because it speaks to anyone who is facing their own personal crises. This episode does get pretty emotional and heavy uh, listening to her story and just want to let you know coming into this and I want to know what you think about it. You can DM me at freewheelin with Cardin on Instagram, F-R-E-W-H-E-E-L-I-N with Cardin, C-A-R-D-E-N. And also giving a shout out to my friend's mobile app, iAccess Life. It allows users to rate and review places on disabilities from the parking lot to the interior. And it just breaks down those barriers and builds transparency in the built environment. When you're downloading the app and use referral code CARDEN, C-A-R-D-E-N, and get to rating. Let's make this world a more accessible place. All right, let's roll. Thank you so much for joining, Lee. I'm really excited to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm really good, Carden. Thank you for having me today. Thank I you. Toronto, yeah? I'm actually in Atlanta, Georgia. Where are you at? I'm in South Africa, Johannesburg. Wow, the power of technology, how we can just meet (laughs) meet virtually across the world, which is really amazing. I assume it's nighttime over there for you, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's just about to go six o'clock. Okay, wonderful. How is COVID and everything treating everyone? Is it okay in South Africa or... What's the yeah, it's been there? stressful. It's been stressful. We've had yeah. some political nightmares this last week mm-hmm. and a lot of corruption with regards to the PPE, government stealing funds. It's been the poorest of the poor have really struggled here in South Africa. A lot of businesses have closed. It's been stressful. It's been really stressful. But yeah, there's also some success stories, you know, people doing some really amazing things. And sure. um, yeah. So yeah, not all bad. Yeah, I think it's kind of nice almost that we're all here in the same world experiencing a similar issue with this public health crisis. So kind of is a little bit humbling in that sense since it's not everyone experiencing it or since it is everyone experiencing it and not just one particular city or country. So... But we're excited to have you on here today because we're going to talk about a few topics. Obviously, you're extremely resilient and have had a um, a background that probably isn't like most. And so just want to talk a little bit more about your journey from having bipolar and having uh, alcoholism addiction and the recovery process from that. And now you're an incredible motivational speaker and helping companies to uh, just break down those barriers and transform perceptions and minds. So talk to me a little bit about the background and what that led to you today. Sure. So I've had it, like you said, a, not a normal background, no, not not a normal life. Um, there's a lot of people that have, you know, ex- my parents got divorced, and that's a pretty normal or average or you know regular 
experience. But then about a year later, my mum was killed by an elephant, mm. which was devastating. Okay. And my dad gave me up for adoption, uh, which, yeah, I guess like really broke me. Mm. And uh, I was adopted by my aunt and uncle and they physically abusive, emotionally abusive, so really tough upbringing. And I guess I had so many reasons to drink and use. You know, I had so many things to, I was sexually molested, uh, so many excuses to, you know, get drunk and high and fucked up, you know, and it took me a very long time to get clean and sober. Only got clean and sober when I was 33. Funny enough, at the end of this month, on the 30th, I'll be celebrating 13 years, which is really cool. Wow, amazing. Congrats. That's a huge journey from where you were and where you are. Yeah, yeah. It's really emotional to get to that position Mm -hmm. in your life. Yeah. You know, for the longest time, I felt like such a victim. Yeah, I felt like... And I I quite rightfully, you know, there were some really shitty things that happened. But... When I started taking responsibility for my life and I realized that it wasn't my fault that these things had happened, but it was my responsibility to heal, mm-hmm. that's really where my life started changing and started becoming livable because suddenly I had agency over my own life. I wasn't giving my power away to the people who had abused me or the situation that was toxic, you know. So it's been like the last 13 years have been very humbling and um you know, incredibly grateful for the experiences I've had because all the different experiences I've had, I'm able to hold space for other people to heal. And so I can sit with rape victims, I can sit with divorcees, I can sit Mm -hmm. with adoptees, I can sit with many people, a lot of people who experience different traumas, different grief. And yeah, I really believe that this crazy life that I've lived is so that I can hold space for other people to heal. I always feel like different people's experiences, whether good or bad, usually is a gift to help others. And I think that's what makes everyone so beautiful is, you know, for me, I have a progressive disease. So I have a muscular condition condition. And growing up, you know, I played competitive sports, I was very active, and slowly over time, I slowly stopped being able to run and walk and I use a wheelchair full time now. And, but through that though, there's great triumph because having lived and looked through so many different lenses, I'm able to break down those barriers for other people and relate to others and empathize with others. And I, I would like to hear if, you know, maybe it just sounds similar to you in that sense. Yeah, I definitely think that it's, uh, you know, being a drug addict. And having all these different experiences has, uh, the lesson for me is definitely being compassion for myself and compassion for others. And I, um, you know, bipolar is a lifelong disease. Addiction is a lifelong disease. And I've got to manage them, you know, I've got to, I've got to, yeah, I've got to take care of myself. I've got to have really good, strict self-care. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt like an outsider. I always felt like the black sheep or like I didn't feel like I fitted in. And then I came into recovery and I've met other people who have got, you know, I'm doing a podcast with 
sick uh, a friend of mine and he's got cerebral palsy and we do a podcast called me 2.0 real and authentic oh, cool. and yeah it's, it's launching in october oh, and awesome. yeah thank you uh we speak there about how disabilities have taught us to be real and real and authentic mm-hmm. and i think that disabilities whether physical mental or whatever actually uh, bringing us together with our tribe, like our people. Yeah. So we might not fit in with other people and that's okay because mm-hmm. they've got their people that they fit in with, but there is a tribe of us that are, are just really very special people. And for me, touched by grace. So yeah. I, um, yeah, I look at, I, I look at life through a different filter, through a different lens and mm-hmm. I, and the way that I feel about people is different. I'm very, I'm, I'm deeply, I, I, I'm a very sensitive creature. Um, and I sense people. I, I understand people. Mm. And I think that I needed to, I don't know, I think that's been the gift is being able to be different and feel weird and <laughs> feel other to be able to embrace people. Yeah. So you're talking a little bit about feeling like a black sheep and, I felt like that for a long time, right? I, I came from a very physically active and healthy family. And it was like, well, what happened to her kind of thing almost. <laughs> um, and for a long time, and, and same thing with all of my extended family. I have a very large extended family. And you know, it was my aunt, she has CP, cerebral palsy. But that was the only other disability that we knew of in our entire community. And growing up in a community... There were there just really weren't any noticeable people with disabilities, and so I definitely know what you feel like feeling like you are the only one there. And so I kind of want to know where do you go in those times of like when you go in the box and and just feel really sad and feeling like you're not being seen or heard by the world. It's a really good question because it's where I find myself today. Today I'm feeling especially small and insignificant and what I'm doing has no value and um, lonely and scared and disillusioned. You know, I, I have these days of deep sadness for how some of the world is mm-hmm. and I feel quite powerless in trying to change that, you know, and, and the massive efforts that I'm putting in aren't even that doesn't feel like it touches any sides. But I, you know, I, I, I was always so scared to feel joyful because if I was feeling really joyful, that was when I was manic. And one of my psychiatrists taught me, but if I cut myself off from the joy, I because I was scared that if I became manic, then I would I would become depressed, which is the cycle of bipolar. And so I cut myself off from feeling joy a lot of the time. And now I know like days like today are okay and they're not going to kill me. And if I'm going to experience the joy again, I need to be able to experience these. You know, it's a uh, life is full of a whole lot of different ex- emotions and I'm learning to embrace them all. And and not to be too scared by them or to feel like I'm going to die or like 
just breathe, breathe through them and let the, let those emotions bubble up and up and out of me. But I think when I resist and I push them away and I pretend they're not there and I go into denial, I think that's when they're more dangerous and where I can flip psychiatrically. So, yeah, I just be a bit quiet today, acknowledge how I'm feeling and it's okay. It's okay not to be bubbly and on top of the world every single day. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's natural for anyone. <laughs> if you're going around being bubbly and happily all the time, then it's almost like you're hiding from those feelings of sadness. And like that is very normal to feel those. So, um, and you're talking a little bit about manic and the episodes that, uh, that happen. Talk to us a little bit more about bipolar for those who don't know. When were you diagnosed and what, how does it manifest? So I was diagnosed in my 20s and I've been under psychiatric care since I was probably about 19, 20. And uh, I was using drugs while I was on medication. So uh, the street drugs were nullifying the pharmaceutical drugs. So I was just bipolar anyway. And then only when I stopped using drugs in my 30s and I was on pharmaceuticals, and it's taken a long time to try and figure out the right dosage. So you get a number of different types of bipolar. I think there are four different types of bipolar. Uh, you get bipolar one, two, three, and four. I am, I am bipolar two, which is a rapid cyclic. So I can cycle between mania and depression within a day. Uh, bipolar one, they would be manic for a period and then depressed for at least three months. That's like, it's a very distinct, um, which I've experienced as well. And sometimes my mania can flip me into psychosis and then with medication and hospitalization, I can come, I can, you know, get, get better. So bipolar is bi being two and polar, so two opposites. Uh, the one is mania, which is a, an elevated state or a very high state of emotion. So very excited. You feel like on top of the world, super creative. I feel very, I feel invincible. I, I don't need much sleep. I don't eat much. Uh, one can become quite hypersexual. Also, um, spend, I want to shop a lot, racing thoughts, thoughts just running through my mind. And then it can descend into depression, which can last, um, it was my postnatal depression lasted about three years. So yeah, the thing for me is to manage the the mania, so because the mania is where I flip into the depression, it, that's normally where it starts is with a manic episode, and then it'll go into depression. Hmm. So yeah, I've just I've got to make sure that I sleep really well. I sleep most more than most people. I sleep between nine and ten hours a day. That's actually really healthy, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's what all the scientists recommend generally. You know, eight to ten hours, right? Yeah, I think most people only get what, like five, five hours, maybe. Uh, so it's been really tough for me to be in the corporate world because I am not a, um, I'm not an early bird. So I've okay. always struggled to get to work on time because I sleep so much, and then 
so I, it's been great to have my own business for the last number of years and being able to regulate and 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 know, okay, I only start at 11 in the morning where I start mm-hmm. seeing and So I've got the morning for myself where I can just center myself and, and meditate and breathe and journal and all of the stuff that I, that I do that my, like I have a very strong self-care practice that, that yeah, so it's not my self care practice isn't necessarily definitely going to ensure that I never have a manic episode, uh, but I can I can manage it and I can see. Yeah, I can see. Uh, I, I know the signs of how to if I if I'm going into a manic state, so it's easier to. I haven't been manic or psychotic since 2015 touch wood so that's five which that's is amazing awesome. wow great and i'm that's how healthy for medic- you yeah that's that's and, and and i mean to have gone through the the crazy stress that i've gone through in the last five years and still be okay yeah it's pretty that's pretty it's pretty cool it's pretty cool that's awesome and yeah it's really important that you're having that st- stability as you're saying so that because what you were saying is when you have a manic episode, it means that you're going to have a depressive episode, and that can range for, like you said, three years. So, what are some of those triggers for when you see or can you feel them, or what kind of what are things that you look for when a manic episode is bubbling up? So sometimes I get uh, what I call sparkles. So it feels like somebody's throwing glitter up in the air and it's just like I see sparkles in the air. So then I know something. So that they thought that I had a temporal lobe epilepsy at a time as well as uh, bipolar. And then I would have pussy mole seizures as well. But it, so those are the... So the sparkles and then this, I get like this terrible smell of death, like it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of things. If I can't sleep, uh, I can't eat. Like those are the things that I, and I'm, I, I, I'm list, I, I can't sit still. I need to be busy the whole time. Yeah. Then, um, and the racing thoughts, that's a, a very big sign. Got it. So you feel you see that, and you also feel it on a psychological level. Is that normal for the the sparkles or the racing thoughts? Is that a common thing with bipolar two or one, or is that just your personal experience? Sparkles. Yeah, I don't know about the sparkles, but definitely the um, the racing thoughts and the the hyperactivity almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the research that I've that I've done, and from what I understand. Yeah, well, that's interesting. To it's so very unique to your the sparkles, because clearly when you see that coming on, so when those sparkles, when you start seeing them, is it an automatic? Like there's, it's it's a waterfall at that point. There's no controlling the manic coming on. It's going to come, or are you able to control that and bring it back down to prevent you from going into that state? So when I see sparkles, then I know that I'm in a very stressed state and I stop everything. I stop working, I sleep, I I probably take off about two, three days and I just rest. Mm -hmm. But I haven't seen sparkles in years. God, I can't even remember when last I saw sparkles. So um, 
but my self-care practice has become much, much better. So like I, I meditate regularly. I do yoga, I do breathing, I do gratitude. There's a lot of yeah. uh, practices that I have that probably keep that, those kinds of experiences at bay. That's important that you have those self-care practices and those manifestations and visualizations of who you are, what am I, what am I grateful for, you know, who do I want to be. I did a mantra session yesterday, so that's fresh top of mind. <laughs> I think it's I think it's great for everyone. You really manifest it and it becomes reality because you believe that it's true. And when you believe it, then there really is kind of no stopping it from actually happening and coming into reality. So as far as if you are in a, a manic state, are you subjective to other um, like drugs, alcohol? Is that kind of when the alcohol, alcoholism could come back or is it more in the depressive state or both? Where are you most concerned with? I think the impulsivity of the mania is is very dangerous from a, a drinking and a drugging point of view. But uh, I mean, addicts and alcoholics, we look to either celebrate or commiserate. We'll use any excuse to get fucked up, you know. So it's, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I still get cravings. I still get cravings for booze or for. Um, Marijuana, those are the two that I probably get the most cravings for. But I, yeah, it's when I'm manic, I'm more, I'm very productive. I'm very creative. So I'll paint or write or something. So, yeah, it's not like I'm going to rush out and go and buy a booze, but I can imagine, I can, if I think back, I can see how that would, that I would crave. Yeah. So now you're in a very stable position, which is awesome. How do you manage the great emotions of life? You know, like when you have a celebration or holidays, are there any other triggers that you're always having to think about? Uh, From the alcoholism point of view, there's not my, I've been to weddings, I've been to funerals, I've been on family holidays, I've, uh, I, you know, I've birthdays, mm-hmm. all sorts of different uh, celebrations. And sure, there are times that I think, you know, it would be great to have a glass of champagne. But they, the, the cravings are, I breathe through them now. They're not so overwhelming like in the beginning where I could barely breathe it was yeah. so overwhelming you know the desire to to drink or to use was so overwhelming so yeah i'm not easily triggered now I'm not easily good good that's great to hear and so through that you've created an incredible business for educating others on self-care and overcoming self-sabotage tell me a little bit about where that creative idea came from and what led you... Well, you did tell me that you didn't want to do the mainstream corporate world because it was difficult from an accommodation standpoint for starting work. So I guess that also was another trigger for creating your own business. Yeah, the gift, right? Uh, so yeah. I've been working with addicts and alcoholics for the last 10 years and I'd seen how amazing the wisdom and the knowledge and the grace that I had read, you know, and learned through the 12-step fellowship. And I thought, 
you know, and studied psychology. I mean, I studied at various institutions and read different spiritual texts and psychological medical journals, studied a variety of different subjects. And I thought, geez, these, the stuff that I'm learning, it's helping addicts and alcoholics. How more can it help those that don't suffer from alcoholism and addiction? Sure. So that's why I decided to take it to the general population and, and to start sharing with people how to you know, use these tips and tools and techniques that we've been taught in AA and NA to Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and share share that wisdom with with the world, you know. So that's where I have gone back into corporate, but as a consultant. So I run uh, self-care workshops or stress management workshops uh, where I teach teams on uh, how to, to how to uh, bond and and create trust within in, within the corporate team, and also how to become vulnerable and share where they're at, and and mm-hmm. and thus create a culture and a dynamic that is fluid and loving and kind and growthful, and not toxic and scary. I love that because I think a lot of us there the stigma is we show up as our work identity and then. When when five o'clock hits, our work identity is closed for the most part, right? maybe 80%. And then we turn on our own personal identity. So what does that look like at home? And those are oftentimes completely separated from each other. And it's, why are we doing that? You know, Why are we showing up at work one way, but in our life, we're showing up another way? And I really like hearing that you're working to create that sense of just a single identity. You show up as yourself, not this other person of yourself. And through that, it definitely allows for vulnerability, deeper conversations, you increase trust, transparency, all the things. Is there anything in there that you're talking about? Um, you're, you're saying you know, people showing up to work and talking about how they're feeling about their own disabilities. Do you see that at all? And how people have accepted that? No, people don't often speak openly about their... I think that, you know, the disability is still such a big stigma, you know, and I and I think that, like, without labeling it, I, I make it... The work that I do is that I take everybody through, within the corporate, take them through a process of um, understanding their own limiting core beliefs, whether you're whether you've got a disability or not, we all have limiting core beliefs. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to see, I did a, a workshop a weekend away, women's retreat for uh, some of Google's top um, women account holders here in Africa. Yeah, I saw the testimony on your website, which was really cool. Yeah, I was so blessed, so blessed to work with them. I mean, I understand why Google is the company that it, company that it is. It has shit hot women working for them. <laughs> I mean, Definitely, yeah. There's a lot of powerhouse women on there. Yeah, amazing. Total to girl be, bosses. Yeah, to be in a room with 15 very dynamic, very powerful women and for them to look at each other after doing uh, a process of, of understanding limiting core beliefs, it was incredible for them to go... You too, me too, you too. Oh. Was just like all the, all that toughness, you know, mm-hmm. like fell away, and it was just like, hey, I see you, sister. I see yeah. you. Or like you, me, we're the same. And it was, it was a really, it was a life affirming experience. 
yeah, I I live for moments like that. It's really it was really beautiful. It's really when the walls break down. You know, everyone walks around with a shield and armor. And as if, you know, you have to crack that shell open to get on the underneath side of this and having those conversations. When you kind of realize that you're a person too and that you're experiencing all, all things, we are just the same. Like we're all human beings and we all go through our, we all have our own journey. But at the end of the day, like we're all here accomplishing and working towards the same goal of, you know, whether it be, you know, climbing the ladder or being better in your career or whatever your journey is. So I bet those are the great moments to celebrate. <laughs> and you see that at Google, a huge tech company, which is even cooler. Ah, uh, very cool. Uh, but they've also. Like they were so brave. They were so brave to go there with me, you know. And I, I love Brene Brown's work where she talks about you know, how we armor up. And when we armor up, we're like shut off our vulnerability. And mm. when we armor up, I, I learned from her as well, is, is that we, we, we cut off ourselves from the joy as well. Mm-hmm. So we might protect ourselves mm-hmm. from the sadness and the, and the, you know, the, not negative feelings, like the down feelings, but we also cut ourselves off from the brighter, breezier emotions. So, yeah. Yeah, it's important to feel those emotions because as we kind of mentioned earlier, if you walk around only feeling one or you know a few emotions, you're not expanding that. You're really limiting yourself and closing doors because the, the way that you also show up emotionally also is going to impact everything that you do. So I think it's also, you know, if you show up bubbly and bright and excited all the time, I think you're you're really missing the deep conversations and sadness or anger or confusion or whatever is happening and not being able to really relate to that and empathize with those, you know, employees that are coming to you and expressing that because you're like, oh la la da, you know, so happy and bubbly all the time. Mm, um, <laughs> What is what do you envision? What would be your ideal world at these corporations? You know, is this yeah, just talk to me a little bit about that. You know, I I one of the teams that I work with worked with was a um a very um in South Africa we have got five stars at hotels. Mm-hmm. So that's like your like the top, it's the best hotel that you can go to and this was a guest house that I worked with and I worked with the team there and the the chef David came to me with tears in his eyes and he said to me you know uh, my mother never taught us this you know and I and I and I looked at him and I I got so tearful I said you know David nor did mine you know, our, our mothers never knew this stuff. They never knew the importance of self-care. Mm. You know, they were putting everybody else ahead of themselves. And uh, the owner of the guest house put her hand gently on David's shoulder, and I'll never forget. And she said, and you know what the beauty is? You can go and teach your children this stuff. Mm. So for me, that is, if I can, if I can just start, a, if I can just be part of people's lives changing, where they can start taking responsibility for their healing and they can share that knowledge with their loved ones. That for me is an incredible day. That's so beautiful. I think, I mean, I want to leave it at that. (laughs) Such a high note. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's so great. Is there anything else that you want to share? Where can we find you? So I'm online in a variety of different places. On LinkedIn, you can find me, uh, Lee Joy Inspires. On Facebook, you can find me on Lee Joy Inspires. On Instagram, you can find me on Lee Joy Inspires. My website, leejoy.co.za. And then I've got a YouTube channel called The The Self-Care Diaries. And as I mentioned earlier, we've got the podcast launching in October. So there's lots of material, lots of free stuff on my website. Go listen to my radio uh, podcasts that are interviews that I've done. Pop me an email and I'll send you our latest ebook on self-care. So yeah, bring out a lot of information, a lot of content so that people can, yeah, we really just want to shift the dial on on people's understanding of self-care and that self-care isn't selfish and about putting, you know, about me only, but about me too. Mm, me too versus me only. Oh, I like that. I think that's, that's going to be your quote. <laughs> me too, not me only. Um, well, wonderful. I'm actually really excited to hear your new podcast with your friend who has CP. So if you can drop me an email when that launches, I would love to follow it because I want to That'll be amazing. It. Well, we would love to interview you. Yeah, let's do that. It sounds great. <laughs> podcaster to podcaster. It would be amazing. Yeah, sounds good. All right, well, we'll stay in contact and I'll share all of your places where people can find you and the ebook on the show notes. So thank you so much for your time, Lee. And I hope you have an incredible rest of the weekend and take care. Thank you, honey. And you too. Thank you, friends, for listening. Please rate and follow this podcast or text Carden at 470-588-1215 with comments and suggestions. Tune in next week for another disability topic.